As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire Hello everyone and welcome to FewerCast, our film effect weekly entertainment recap podcast dedicated to all the latest news in entertainment and film. Happy Friday or happy whatever day of the week it is when you're listening to us. As always, I'm Ed. Joining me this week, Justin, Corey, and Andrew, the usual suspects. How we doing, fellas? Hey now. Hey, hi, howdy. Howdy ho, film effectors. Before we jump into the show today, I want to remind our listeners to check us out on both Facebook and Instagram at the Film Effect Podcast for all the announcements and up-to-the-minute updates that we have. Follow along on Twitter at Film Effect Pod for the best way to interact or hear from us. If you're on TikTok, then check us out at Film Effect Podcast. And we're now on YouTube. Check out clips from previous episodes for now, but eventually we'll be using it for stuff like watch-alongs or any video projects that we want to start making. Link in the episode notes. And finally, all electronic forms of mail, as always, can be sent on over to the Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. Ratings, reviews, positive, negative, just your honest take, whatever. How we're doing, we want to hear from you guys. They really do help us out. So, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, com slash reviews. Uh, leave us one and uh, help us tackle that algorithm. Got new merch. Well, we have a new Pride design out this week since it's Pride Month. As always, of all our designs, just low prices, slung material, and a variety of designs all in all. Plus, we have more than t-shirts. We got all kinds of stuff. Just go to the store. Check it out. TheFilmEffectPodcast.com slash store. And now that I got all that out of the way, let's tighten that grip and bring on the drip. Some breaking news for you, we, we lost a big one, guys. We lost Ray Liotta this past week. I don't know. Where where does everyone stand on... I kind of have an idea on where you stand, Justin. But Corey, Andrew, like, where, where, is, where does Ray Liotta mean to you guys? You know, he's a, you know, uh, big loss. Yeah, it's a big loss. I mean, he means a lot to me. You know, he was the lead actor in one of my favorite all-time movies, uh, and that's The Goodfellas. Uh, definitely ranks in my top 10 of any type of film, you know, in my favorites. And he was the lead in that. And I think he was a big part in, you know, executing that movie and just giving in uh, once in a lifetime performance, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's huge. I mean, he's always been around, like even, you know, as he's wandered into his uh, twilight years, he was still acting. I mean, he was in that Sopranos movie I just watched a couple months ago. Uh, the Many Saints. Twice. He- he was also in one of those Adam Sandler films. I, I don't it, for Netflix. I don't remember Phoebe which Halloween. one it was. That's it. That's it. And he was like a main character, and I'm sitting there watching it with my mother. I was like, "What the f- fuck? That's Ray Liotta." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, it is a big. It's a big loss for me. I mean, he you know will always have a special place in my heart just because of how special Goodfellas is to me. Uh, the other one I remembered watching somewhat recently, uh, Observe and Report, I think, uh, underrated film as far as like a dark comedy 
type goes. Right. He was pretty good in that, <laughs> of just being, like, kind of an asshole cop, which is pretty much his type, like, gangster or asshole cop. So, but yeah, huge loss, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I think of Ray Liotta, just immediately, right off the bat, without even having to think twice about it, he's Tommy Versetti in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I mean, I grew up <laughs> playing that game for so many fucking hours. I knew you were going to say that. And he's, like, it's it's not too often that a voice actor nails it in a video game, and I'll never forget, that was the very first time that a voice actor really just shook me. So, you know, shout out to GTA Vice City. I mean, and he's the father in Blow. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorite films, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, go on, Justin. Tell your yeah. dad about Layaway, George. <laughs> yeah, Layaway. Layaway. Yeah, I mean, um, Goodfellas is the, the big one, obviously, but, um, the the one I, I believe it was his first movie, if not or, or or one of his first at least, where he caught my attention. I was just like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" It was uh, Jonathan Demi something wild? Yes. Have you guys ever seen that one? That's good shit, man. That is good yeah, shit. If, uh, Melanie Griffith from yeah. Jeff Daniels. Yes. Yeah, it's a good movie because it starts out as sort of this just like lighthearted sort of kind of like rom com sort of thing. And then, and Ray Liotta's character is sort of hinted at throughout. And then when he shows up, the entire movie takes a tonal shift and becomes a completely different movie. And it was the first time I had ever seen anything like that. And it kind of blew my mind at the time. Um, And most of that is due to his performance. Um, So that one's like really kind of close up there. I haven't watched it in a long time, so I'm not sure if, if it still would hold up for me. But that's one just as far as memory holds up um, uh, kind of up there with Goodfellas for me. But um, I also loved him in Copland. Uh, he gave a really good performance in that, like a, a coked out cop. So it wasn't a stretch for him. It was kind of combining a few of the things that, that we've known him for over the years, but it was a really good version of that. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a movie I just recommended a few weeks ago, actually, but he was really good. At, and he was one of the main reasons I watched it was um, Unlawful Entry where he played a cop, of course, and, um, uh, you know, like a crazy cop who becomes obsessed with um, with Madeline Stowe's character, who's married to Kurt Russell. And, um, again, just kind of took a standard character and, and just made it completely memorable just through sheer force of being Ray Liotta. So, and like Corey said, he's still doing good work. It's not like he's a guy who we sort of grew up with and then he faded away. I mean, he's just kind of always been there popping up and stuff. And it was always good to, to see him show up in something. It's like, Oh, you know, Ray Liotta's here. I know I'm at least going to enjoy this aspect of the movie, if nothing else. So yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah, and of course, a lot of people are going to turn to Field of Dreams or Goodfellas, like a couple of you guys already have. Um, something Wild's a good one. Um, if you hadn't mentioned that, I was going to bring it up. Uh, Unlawful Entry, another good one. I remember. The terrible one. thing about it is, I've never actually sat down and watched Field of Dreams. Yeah, I've never seen Field of Dreams either. That's one of those like gaping holes in my filmography that. I don't know. I'd watch it, I guess, at some point. It's just not a movie. And I know it's beloved, but it's not a movie that I feel like, man, I need to see that soon. Uh, yeah, never seen it. I'll, I'll throw my name to the list as well. All the way through. I've seen... I'm more of an Angels on, in the Outfield. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Andrew. Me too. It used to be on USA a lot, um, Field of Dreams. And Granddad used to always be a, a fan of that movie. So I've caught it, you know, throughout 
just not entirely like from start to finish. So anyway, uh, but a couple movies I wanted to bring up, um, couple of her of of his lesser known titles that don't get brought up. In fact, one of them you can't even find it on streaming. Uh, the first one, of course, the one you can't find anywhere is 1994's No Escape with Kevin Dillon and um, Lance Hendrickson, Stuart Wilson, Michael Lerner, Ernie Hudson. That's a really underrated film in, in like this Isn't that a sci-fi weird, flip? futuristic. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, plays I like know a Marine who gets served, who gets sentenced to life in prison on this island. It's kind of like a. Escape from L.A. or Escape from New York situation, but, like, it's different in a sense. And, like, I've always liked the film ever since um, I first saw it when it premiered on HBO back in, you know, the, the mid-90s. Uh, but, yeah, Martin Campbell film, the, the movie he did before Goldeneye. <clears throat> so. Um, and the other film, of course, uh, uh, Turbulence. Have you guys ever seen Turbulence with him and her, Lauren Holly? Hell yeah. I love that shit. I used to watch yeah. that on HBO all the time when the fucking plane was like just flipping up and down. He's and fucking he's just, insane. Like, a madman. Yeah, that was great. I, I know that movie wasn't well liked, but I had a good time watching it. Crazy Ray Liotta. Mm-hmm. Um, you crazy Ray Liotta. <laughs> but then like towards the later part of his career, um, he would just pop up for the sake of popping up. And I was okay with that. I felt that he's earned that. Um, and it was always fun whenever he made an appearance. Uh, I know a lot of films uh, more recently than others, you know, they weren't large roles at all. Like talking about the, uh, the <clears throat> good the Sopranos film. But yeah. um, he plays two characters, of course, the twins. And one you don't even see until, like, I think, is it? The, the the Dickie, the one that you see at the end in prison when he has that like monologue that's just fucking so good. That monologue is like half the reason I love the movie so much. It's so goddamn good with when he goes to see him in prison. I want to talk about I fell asleep watching that movie and I didn't see the part where his where he dies and then he's in prison. Oh, I was like I woke up when he was in prison. I was like, oh shit, he got locked <laughs> up. I, I rewatched it and realized it was twins. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I think that um, it, it, he's just so good, and 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 doesn't matter how long he's in the film for. But you know, he was always popping up. Uh, like marriage Story, he was in it for like you know a couple stuff. Um, no sudden. Oh, he was a lawyer, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. He was really good too. He for was like one or two. Seasons. He was, yeah. and he popped up in uh, Soderbergh's No Sudden Move, the HBO film from last year. Um, yeah, and that's that's like. In a nutshell, what Ray Liotta, you know, came down to in the later part of his career. Just uh, now, has he ever done a bad? Like, can you think of a Ray Liotta movie? Not not movie because he's been in some bad movies, but a Ray Liotta performance where you were just like, "Oh, Ray, what are you doing?" Like, I can't think. There's none that off the top of my head that I can think of where I was like, "Man, he really shit the bed on that one." Um, I thought he was kind of embarrassing and uh, heartbreakers. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one. Is that that's Hack, uh, Gene Hackman, Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver, yeah. and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay, I've never seen that one, but I know the movie. Yeah, um, that's kind of an eye roll, and then I don't know, kind of the, I don't, I haven't seen Hannibal since the theater, but I always remember the scene with him, you know, eating his own brain. 
<laughs> I'm not sure if like that's, that's a bad performance or not. Part of that film. But he doesn't have a large performance in, in or a large role in the movie. He's like an FBI agent. And he's only in like if I vaguely remember him only showing up in like three or four scenes. And he's not bad. It's he. It's a pretty rote role. There's not really a lot for him to do with it. It's not a you know. It's not a great movie overall. I, I rewatched that about a year ago. I was okay. going. My wife and I watched the show Hannibal. So mm-hmm. I'm like it's in a, a Hannibal Lecter movie phase and going back and watching the movies over again. And you know he's fine. There's really not much for him to do other than eat his own brain at the end. That's yeah. obviously yeah. the the highlight of the role and, and probably the movie altogether. Oh, I, I can answer your question. Yes, wild hogs, wild hogs, fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, I never saw that one either. Boom. <laughs> that was embarrassing for everyone involved, though. Yeah, but even more for him because he was the lead villain. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that was the same year he did. Uh, in the name of the king. He was jumping into uh, U Bowl territory. <clears throat> yeah, that, I need to see. I need to go back and watch all those U Bowl movies. You can watch it after you watch The Heretic. I watched The Heretic today, motherfucker, and I loved every second of it. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and then the last uh, role I wanted to bring up uh, before turning page is uh, Identity, a film that I kind of off the bat after the day he passed away I texted you Corey and was like where are you at on identity it's been a while and I was kind of kicking it around to be on the show I still am but like I don't know I haven't seen I, I remember loving that movie so much until the end and <laughs> we, the twist we saw it uh, at the midnight showing I remember at Rundle Mills there's a story behind that and we'll wait for the episode because uh, it's a good one it's one I'll never forget going to see that goddamn yeah, movie it's one of those where I think when you rewatch it it's never gonna like you know you kind of pick stuff apart but I think it's still enjoyable I watched it again I, I still liked it well if you guys if you've been paying attention to uh, my Voodoo account. I just bought it. On, it was on sale over the weekend for five bucks, so I, I picked it up digitally. So when we do go to cover it, it there we have a way to watch it. <laughs> so, um, did anyone want to talk about Operation Dumbo Drop before we moved on? <laughs> no. All right. Are you kidding me? I could fucking talk all day about it. I bet you could. <laughs> I'm just not going to though. All right. Um, shifting gears. No pun intended, I guess. I wanted to talk about Top Gun Maverick and the uh, success that it's having. It's not really newsworthy, but uh, it's new enough and it's film-related, so fuck it. It's a slow news week, another one of those. And, uh, yeah. So, I, I, I think I'm the only person here who's seen the film. Am I right? Correct. All right. So, this is going to be a really quick yeah. uh, segment. I, I do want to um, go see it, though. I'll probably go see it in a couple weeks or something. No, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about it to like gloat about the film, but it, it's a fucking amazing. So do check it out. But that's not the reason I'm bringing I've it up. I've heard nothing but like magnificent things. I've about yet the film to read so a bad far. thing. I've, I'm talking yeah. like people even saying that it's better than yeah. the original. So. I, I'm one of those people. It's not really a high bar. The first one doesn't really have the highest of bars set to like you know overtake. But it's it's yeah, it's it's so good. But um. I was not expecting the fucking money it made this weekend. So it broke the Memorial Day weekend record previously held by Pirates of the Caribbean World's End. Um, and it's the largest opening of Tom Cruise's career, which I thought Mission Impossible Fallout was. Apparently, World of the Worlds was the previous holder. 
So that goes to show that goes to show how much I know about Tom Cruise. Um, but the Oof. the movie's making so much money, and and, so, and that's not an adjusted for COVID figure, right? That's just straight up like. You know, that's not like some clever bookkeeping. That's just like straight up that many people went to see it is what you're saying. What? What do you, what do you mean? It's not like, streaming it's, anywhere. It's, you have to go to the theater if you want to see it. Right, this movie. right. You have to go to the movies and see it. Like, right. I, I'm, what I mean is it, it's not like uh, the highest Memorial Day since COVID started or any kind of qualifying. No, it's oh, no, 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 like no. The highest ever. Okay, yeah. okay. It's yeah, straight that, up beat at World's End, which was the previous record holder. Oh, you said that, dog. Yeah, okay. That's space for a second. Okay. Sorry. No, no, you're good. Yeah, no, that's that. That's pretty amazing because um, people just don't go to the movies the way they used to. And, of course, the, the prices are so much higher now. If you adjusted it for inflation, I'm sure it would look differently. But that's still, in this day and age, for uh, box office, pretty amazing. Well, I talked about this after Spider-Man No Way Home came out. I, I stood here on the air and said, the movies are back. The theater experience is here to stay. It's not going nowhere. And this is only adding fuel to that statement. And it's the truth, you know. The, the people who doubted it, you know, go pack sand. The movies are not, the, the whole theatrical experience, it's going nowhere anytime soon. <clears throat> um, and this is living proof. I think the statistic was 55% were people above the age of 55 that went and saw this or something like that. The like senior citizens, like, turned out. Uh, I went Thursday night, and it wasn't a sold-out theater. I saw it in Dolby, but in my defense, it was 1030. Um, nah, it doesn't really matter. People were seeing it regardless of it was opening night. Um... And, and my, I know my theater loved it. I, I didn't really get a good eye to see like with the with how it looked, like what kind of people were there with me. But um, you know, as far as the movie goes, there's no reason for you to 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 not see this. It's it's I can't wait to see it again with you bastards. It's it's so good, and I've been blaring fucking Kenny Loggins on my car for the last two weeks. So. Um, yeah, I've done a complete 180 on my feelings. This, like, you know, we've we've discussed it a few times on here. I had right. zero desire to see it this time a month or two ago, and now it's like I can't wait just because, if nothing else, I'm just curious because, like you guys said, and just pretty much using Twitter as my barometer, I haven't seen anybody even be like, "Meh, it's okay." No. Like everything is, it's everything's a rave, like just over the top. You know, so I'm definitely curious to see what the hype's all about. Well, here's how I feel about it. Tom Cruise has had a renaissance in the past 10 years, and I would argue that it's probably larger than anything he's ever had in his career. Like, he is just fucking banging them out of the park. So I feel like that definitely has something to do with it. He's the biggest. Like, you got to give that man the respect he deserves. He's doing phenomenal over the past decade. It's a fantastic run he's having. He's the biggest A-list actor that we have of this generation and I actually stood behind The Rock being that title holder. Nah, Tom Cruise is the king of the box office. It's, it's not The Rock. He's a close second, but Tom Cruise is just the fucking king. We're never going to have an actor like him, you know? So enjoy it while you can because these movies are not going to be fucking churning out, you know, they're, they're forever. They're going to stop eventually. The man's pushing 60 now. Yeah. So, um, 
But yeah, this movie's just amazing. Everyone, I implore you all to go see it if you haven't already. If you have, go see it again. Um, and yeah, like I said, second weekend's coming up. I'm really curious to see how it uh it does. Yeah, there's not really much coming out this week as far as competition goes. Um, to my knowledge, I think next week is the uh, next week's the new Jurassic Park, so I know it's definitely going to have competition then. But as far as this week, there's no. I think the theaters intentionally like stayed away from this this weekend coming up because they knew Tom Cruise was going to be collecting all the fucking money. I want all the monies, and he's getting it all. So yeah, July 10th is the next big box office film, and that's Jurassic World Dominion. Um, yeah, and we'll be covering Jurassic Park the week of on uh, the main feed. So check that out too. Can't wait. Uh, moving on. Did anybody really have a whole lot of good things to say about the previous Jurassic Park though? No, and for good reason too, because it's no, god awful. I and fucking hated already, that movie. Like, yeah, we've already had that, that, that conversation. So that's what I'm saying. I can't imagine this being a bigger film than Top Gun, honestly. Well, that's why they went and got all the actors from the original ones. Yeah. They had they had the cast to build up some interest because I think the last one was so universally hated. That's exactly what they did, and you know, we'll see. I, I they're bound. Don't think the film has been screened for critics yet. I've I've heard nothing on the film itself, and it comes out next Friday, which is weird. That we're this close to its release, and I ain't heard shit. It's not so, weird. It probably fucking sucks. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's probably weird. the definition of subpar. So we shall see. Uh, and our final bit of news for the week. God, told you, slow news week again. District nine, or I should say, District ten, is coming. Uh, Neil Blumkamp says it's uh, happening in the near future. It's his next project. He's apparently the script has been written. You know, I I pulled this today when I I saw it on Bloody Disgusting, but I can't really get behind it because I'm not a big District Nine fan. Are you guys? Yeah, it was okay. I, like, I liked it. It wasn't like I I'd watched it once and I've never gone back and rewatched it. But I thought it was. It was pretty clever and well done for what was presumably a, a very small budget. Um, but has any other like super hype director in recent times flamed out as much as that guy did? Like, man, he went from hero to zero pretty quickly. He was supposed to do like a new RoboCop, and I, I, I'm like the flipping alien around. Film? Yeah, he's going to do a new Alien. He's going to do new RoboCop, and then like I'm flipping around cable the other day, and I see that he's got a movie that came out last year that I've never fucking heard of. Yeah, horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did. I was going to bring that up, Justin. It was like he was like Hollywood's next big sci-fi director, and I mean, you know, District Nine. I liked. I, I thought it was really well done. So I, I'm with you. Um, and I actually liked Elysium. I know a lot of people didn't like that. The one with Matt Damon. And Jodie Foster. I was a fan of that one, too. I always forget about that movie. Yeah. Elysium's great, dude. And I, I, I love District 9, too. So, I go But uh, he flamed out spectacularly because you had Chappie, which eh, that <laughs> is hit or miss. I mean, there's some laughable stuff in that movie. But now I'm, I'm like, questioning, is this movie even have a studio? Because, like, his last one, I think, Demonic, which I've heard is, like, batshit crazy. He made like independently, like he didn't have a studio. Right, he so, did during the. That's uh, the one I he did during the pandemic. Yeah, that's what I see on. Yeah. 
So you, you've heard like good batshit crazy or like it's it's so bad. That I mean, it's bad crazy. you and I might like it because I think we both stated <laughs> that we like batshit crazy. But it, if you're looking for a cohesive movie, I heard no, it's like low budget and the plot is just all over the place. And they are trying to go for, you know, like this high religious tone thing and it just doesn't work. I, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. It could be. Fine, but I know it's low rated and I know he financed it like he got financing like there wasn't a studio behind it. And yeah, just I don't know, like I'm questioning whether this movie is even going to happen because is the studio even going to want to touch him, even if it's a sequel to a successful movie? Like, are they going to deal with this guy anymore? I don't know. I mean, it's not really his well, fault that the Alien and Robocop films, you know, never came to fruition. That's more of just studio ordeal or an aliens um, situation that happened because Disney bought the company and the original rights holder Ridley Scott was just like you know I'm doing my third film blah, 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 blah. and that kind of just kind of quietly was swept underneath the rug not to mention it was kind of weird that they were doing a sequel 30 years later to a film that already had sequels after it was just weird that I got the urge behind it and yeah I would have saw it if it eventually did get made um but it was just weird I don't know and then in the other situation Robocop I don't know what the fuck happened there I don't know who screwed the pooch on that film because I think in that I think that project just overall got I, I think they blew the load with prematurely announcing it I think they had no business making that grand announcement because it was a full like you know reveal like a full like media big announcement and shit like they made a big deal about it and then crickets so you know yeah like you said with with the alien thing he was they they were going to retcon everything after aliens like pretend like three through whatever resurrection and all that yeah never happened yeah which I, you know, it wouldn't have been a bad thing. I don't say. Ah. I know Alien Three fans, but I like. We're getting to. Alien, we'll I, have that conversation another day. Uh, okay. But well, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Justin. Yeah, I think most people would probably rather see a direct sequel to Aliens than either of those Prometheus movies. I don't think they're very beloved. Gee, Hicks, the, the, you got oh, awfully older over the last hour since we left that planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the RoboCop thing was interesting because it was actually going to be Ed Newmeyer. I think, yes. either wrote a script or was writing was a script. Writing That's what had me interested. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, they're bringing him back. And they got... Then this again, the chance of being good. And they got Weller back, too. Well, supposedly. Yeah, that part... Apparently they that did. Part, that's what threw me off. It's like, I love Peter Weller, but I don't need to see a 75-year-old RoboCop. Like, Playing that doesn't make it... Yeah, that, no that doesn't make sense. sense. That the, how 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 are you gonna de-age him? Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, any anything else? Any any? any I, I'm assuming you all are excited for this if it eventually happens. I mean, apparently it's happening. So, no, I'm not excited for it. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I don't I know if I'm excited. I wouldn't say excited for it. I don't know. It didn't District Nine have a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> I yeah. seen it one well, time. I was gonna say, I, I, I mean, I'm not excited for it, but I will see it because I like the original enough. So it's yeah. just one of those, like it's it'll be there, and I'll see it. Whatever. 
<laughs> I I would say I'm not super excited for it because this just reeks to me like he's kind of fallen out. So now I'm going to go back to what made right. me popular because, you know, having seen that film, I don't I could understand a sequel, but it's just an odd time for it to come when he's kind of down and out. So to me, it's just returning to the well. But maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I, I've changed I've changed my thought on Top Gun. So, you know, been wrong before. <laughs> there you go. All right, then, let's move on. Since uh, we have no new trailers to talk about, so there will be no coming attractions this week because there's no attractions that are coming. Uh, let's move on to Physical Media Roundup. get into like you know the recent announcements and stuff that came out this week um kind of like another reason why we started doing this category adding it to the viewer cast is because you know we're, we're all big advocates for physical media and i feel like we should talk more about that on a personal level so that being said justin and i this past saturday decided to take it was a beautiful day outside so the two of us went down to Lovely Fellas Point at the downtown inner harbor of big, beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, decided to go to our favorite record shop, the Soundgarden. Just pick up some movies. Justin, why don't you start it off? What did you get? Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm right next to him. Let me grab the pile. Here. He, got, he got himself um, a handful. Oh, shit. Now everything else is going to fall over. <laughs> um, so, I got... Uh, let me start... I like to think bottom. that he's got them stacked up like Jenga pieces. Kind of, yeah. I, I need to get another DVD tower for, for some of the overflow. So let me just pull this one out so the rest don't fall. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> um, what I got. Uh, so the first one, a movie I have not watched in a long time, but I always liked it. And it was like, there was a, like a $3 copy. So Steve Martin's L.A. Story. Um, have you guys ever seen this one? I've never seen it, but I know what it is. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Steve Martin fan, you kind of know what to expect. He wrote it, so it's it's oh, kind of that. a yeah. He didn't direct it or anything, but he wrote it. It's sort of a a surreal, slightly surreal comedy. Like he's he's getting messages from one of those. Um, yeah, you know, we we see him here in Baltimore. I'm not sure other parts of the country, but in L.A. on the highways, those big road signs. Um, it sort of tell you, you know, accident ahead or buckle your seatbelts, whatever, one of those right. things. And he passes one every day on the way to work. And the sign starts giving him messages and like speaking directly to him. And um, and again, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I forget exactly what happens. But it's just like him, you know, his dating life and, and taking messages from this sign that, to help him with his love life. So if you're a Steve Martin fan, check it out. Um Another movie that I have not seen since it came out, and I've always wanted to go back and revisit it, is uh, Matty Rich's The Inkwell. Um, Matty Rich isn't a, a real big name, but in the early 90s, uh, sort of in that post-Boys in the Hood, um, black filmmakers were, were getting a chance to, to really direct movies at that point. And Matty Rich is one of the guys who rode that wave and did a movie called, um, oh shit, what is it called now? I'm spacing out on what it was called. Um uh, Fuck. Anyway, he did he did a movie in the early 90s, kind of got a little bit of play. And the Inkwell was as follows. It was, it was sort of like an urban gangster type thing from what I remember. 
And then the Inkwell was like a complete 180, just like a, a sweet, uh, like a summer, sort of like a ping pong summer kind of movie. Like, he, he, you know, he goes to live with some family in, in a beach community. And it's um, Lorenz Tate from mm -hmm. uh, Menace to Society is the main character. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is, is the girl that he's in love with. So um, I can't speak too much to it because I haven't rewatched it yet. And I haven't seen it since it first came out. But so I got that one. Um, one that I'm sure a lot of listeners will be familiar with, uh, Vince Vaughn in Brawl and Cell Block 99. Um, it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. I, it, it complete, yeah, it completed. I, I now have all of Zoller's. It's only three, but I now have all of um, Craig S. Zoller's movies. Um, so I'm excited to dive into that one at some point. Um, an older movie, um, uh, Mario Baba's Danger Diabolique. Have you ever seen this one? No, I have not. And you guys, no. it's um, sort of a like a a sixties spy, like a late sixties spy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, which one of the Beastie Boys videos took scenes directly from the movie and like inserted them into in the clips. Um, so it's sort of just like a late sixties campy spy thing, but it's really fun. I watched it about fifteen years ago and, and really enjoyed it. Um, so pick that one up. Uh, one I'm really excited to watch is Penitentiary 2, starring uh, Leon Isaac Hayes, Ernie Hudson, and Mr. T. Um, this might be pre-Rocky 3, Mr. T. Um, penitentiary movies, like super low budget, um, violent, just sort of cornball, but right up my alley. And then the last one I got, I, I have no idea what this thing is, but the cover and the back uh, description intrigued me. It appears to be a Japanese movie called The Legend of the Stardust Brothers. Um, and the back says it's avail available in North America for the first time. Meet the Stardust Brothers, a 1980s Japanese pop duo manufactured by a shady music mogul when he brings together two wannabe stars, punk rock, rebel, and new wave crooner, and transform them into a girl-friendly, silver jumpsuited synth-pop sensation. So... Um, between that description and the fact that it came out in 1985, I was like, all right, I got to fucking see it. I have no idea what it is. I watched the trailer. It looks pretty amazing. Um, so I'm looking forward to diving into that one. Uh, and that was my Soundgarden haul. Yeah, it's quite the haul. I mean, I didn't get a whole, whole lot because there's, you know, the, the, the considering the titles that I got, the, you know, since we're doing Bayhem, or was we wrapped up Bayhem recently? I got the Transformers collection in 4K for only 30 bucks, and then I got Avengers Endgame in 4K for seven bucks. There's a light, just like new, pristine slipcase and everything. So, um, I'll do it myself. I exactly. I got a couple more things actually. Um, two two movies that I ordered, one through Amazon and one through um. Uh, Grindhouse video was you ever seen California with Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dominic Senya movie from um yeah like thirty years ago. Swordfish, Swordfish guy, exactly. Uh, I picked that up. Shout out to a uh, collector's edition of the movie. Um, that I apparently it came out years ago, and I ordered it today. And to my surprise, it came. I ordered it the other day. Yesterday, actually, was Amazon. To my surprise, it came in today with a brand new slipcover. I'm like, yeah, baby. 
love when that happens. Uh, when that I shit guess, spelled with a K, California. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I remember about that movie. And then my grindhouse order came in yesterday, and that was uh, Studio Canal uh, just put out in 4K overseas because they're, they're a UK company. Uh, Stephen King's Cat's Eye. Anybody? I just picked that. Yeah, I used to like it. I've watched it in a long time, but I always liked the uh, the third story with the I cat just the got done watching it before we hit recorded, and that's what I was doing, watching my uh, new copy of that. So that came in. And then I got a bunch of other stuff that came out recently, like the the craft in 4K. I got that. Um, I've got a lot recently, guys. Um, so, yeah. And how about Andrew, Corey? Have you guys picked anything up recently? I know, actually, Andrew, you don't really buy movies, so that's more of a Corey question, I guess. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't take uh, Andrew as the uh, no. physical movie type. But no. uh, Every single thing I buy is digital. Yeah, that's what I figured. But, um, no, I really haven't picked anything up recently, and that's just down to my finances right now. You know, unfortunately, it's like, you know, it's my hobby, but... Uh, you know, right now I just can't spend money on that stuff. Right. So yeah, it, it's been a couple weeks, like a while since I bought anything. But yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a huge proponent. Uh, you know, for physical media. I mean, I'm sitting in the movie room right now. So as soon as <laughs> I am able to, I'll start picking up. I have like a back catalog of stuff I want to pick up, and I've been meaning yeah, to get back down to Soundgarden because, like, usually when I go there, I'm like Justin. I'd pick up like a fucking armful yeah. <laughs> of like random stuff because uh, you can always it's get nice. stuff cheap there. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you you hear that, that that stack I went through, and it sounds like Jesus Christ, this guy must have spent about two hundred bucks. No, it was like fifty some bucks because I get like you know Soundgarden, you can get like three for ten, or you know a movie will be five bucks. So I you know I I rarely and now we're talking about this. I rarely buy something that's brand new and costs like I I won't spend over. It's got to be something I really either love or have been wanting to see forever to spend like. 20 bucks I, and I won't go above that hmm. man's got morals he's got standards well I will say no, I will say this cheap I don't really uh, buy physical media to know but at the same time Soundgarden I know that you guys have mentioned this multiple times so I'll just throw it out there like Soundgarden is one of the best fucking places to buy physical media I don't care if you're buying DVDs Blu-rays 4K CDs CDs especially yeah. like I love going to Soundgarden just to be there. Like, it's a magnificent place to be. So, if you're in the Baltimore, Maryland area, sorry about that. Not, <laughs> again, All right, I'm Andrew. Under the weather. <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> under the weather. So, let me pick that up again. If you're in the Baltimore area, I highly implore you to go to the Soundgarden. I think it's, it's in Fells Point. So, yep. That's it. I know. I was writing something. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, okay. No, it's all good. Um, I'm just kind of eh, stuffy. That's all right. So we can start by talking about stuff that came out recently. Actually, no. Stuff that, yeah, stuff that came out this week. All right, no. Start from the top. Let's start with uh, the films that were released this week. So we got Paramount, who put out The Untouchables in 4K format. Uh, Kino Lorber put out the... Uh, a fistful of dollars and for a few dollars more, both in 4K as well as, uh, well, that was it. That's all they put out. Um, yeah, Vinegar put out Syndrome. The trilogy? Untouchables, though, is 
Untouchables is fucking magnificent. So, highly implore you to pick that uh, up. I'm going to be picking that up. Corey, they, the good, the bad, and the ugly's been out in 4K for about a year now. They oh, okay. That out. I was gonna say, so. ain't that a bitch? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The trilogy's intact in, in in 4K now. Um, Vinegar Syndrome released the Coca Cola Kid and Death Wish Two in 4K this week. I, I had my had my eyes on that Death Wish Two. Yeah. Um, fuck. Sony put out 1776 in 4K. Amazon released The Boys seasons one and two in Blu-ray. Uh, Sandpiper Pictures released James Woods' Salvador. Uh, Scream Factory released um, The Ninth Configuration, as well as Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You in 4K. I just watched Salvador about three weeks ago. Um, Not in 4K, Um, but that is a fucking great movie. Might actually be my favorite Oliver Stone movie. Um, it it's it, I think it came out in eighty six. I thought eighty seven was about that time. I think eighty seven was Platoon, if I'm not mistaken. No, eighty six so, is Platoon. Just, I know that for a fact. Well, Salvador came out before Platoon, so then that would Maybe mean Salvador then. came out. Oh, look it up. Eighty five. Um, but it's a fucking great movie. So it's held up really well. Um, eighty six, as far as the, the themes and everything. Um, and James Woods is fucking magnificent. He he is so good in that movie. Um, you know, if you're a James Woods fan or completist, uh, you need to see that one. But just even if you're not big on James Woods, he is so fucking good in that movie. It's it's worth picking up and taking a look. I'll have to check it out. And finally, uh, Criterion released Double Indemnity in 4K this week. Uh, the announcements. We have announcements. Uh, Lionsgate, for the five or six fans of this film out there, their forgotten movie Gamer is now coming out in 4K on July 19th. So, all you Gerard Butler video game fanatics, Gamer's kind of coming out in 4K. Uh, Kino Lorber announced that they're releasing the 80s creature feature Leviathan in 4K. But they have not given a release date. It'll be released around Halloween time this fall. So probably around October. Um, Arrow. <clears throat> release, uh, they're putting out uh, the original Flatliners on August 2nd in both 4K and Blu-ray. Where are you guys at on Flatliners? I haven't seen it since the fucking 90s probably myself. I'm a fan, but I completely forgot that they remade that shit. Until you just said it's something. I was like, the original? I was like, what the fuck? I was like, they, there's only the one. And then I realized, oh shit, there was a remake. Yeah. It's a sequel. <laughs> it's apparently it's a or sequel. Or a sequel. Whatever the fuck Kiefer it Sutherland was. plays the same character. I haven't I seen see it, it, so. I like Keith Sutherland. Yeah, me too. But That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> my question was, <laughs> I don't where have are you on Flatliners? I don't have much on Flatliners, but you brought up Leviathan. Have you guys ever seen that? I have. That in Deep Star 6, the uh, rival film. How is... the? And the only reason I'm interested in Leviathan... Well, two reasons. It, it, and correct me if I'm thinking of a different movie, but it's Peter Weller, yep. right? And it's directed by uh, George P. Kesmatos, or however you say his last name. Spacing on exactly how it's spelled right now. But, right? He directed that? Um. Yes. 
Sure. That's what's got me curious about it because I love First Blood Part Two. I love Cobra and I love Tombstone. Now, of course, the word around the campfire is that he may not have really directed any of those movies, um, but they all have a look that makes me think they're they're from you know the same person. So I've always sort of been curious about Leviathan, but I've never really heard anything about it. And considering how much those other three movies are beloved. The fact that Leviathan never gets brought up makes me think that it's really not that great of a movie and maybe not worth the time. I'll put it into perspective. Tombstone is a fucking smash hit. Everybody should see it. Leviathan has a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 51% Metacritic. So uh, see it if you want. <laughs> I don't go. I don't care about the reviews so much. It's I, I go more by like if people go, you know. This, I, you know, like it's sort of like a hidden classic sort of thing. Reviews be damned. It, it doesn't seem like it's one of those movies. I was always more of a Deep Star Six fan, only because Deep Star Six has that gnarly fucking death scene with uh, Miguel Ferrer with the uh, decompression chamber because he's like going up at an incredible fucking rate and like he just just explodes. It's gnarly as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was always an Abyss guy, so I've never I've never seen either of those other two. Okay. Um, anyway, hey, I want, oh. I didn't want to move on from Flatliners yet because I I watched that Who when I was. Gives a <laughs> fuck. The movie sucks. Flatliners? No, it doesn't. Goddamn, pal. I'm just joking. Go on. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say I saw that at a young age. Uh, but I like because the movie came out in the early '90s, and then all it had a star-studded cast, so everybody within a few years was like a huge star. So I remember watching it a few years later, and I was like, Jesus Christ, how'd they get all these stars in there? And then it scared the shit out of me, because that kid, uh, what's his name in the movie? Billy Mahoney. Billy. Fucking Billy Mahoney looking Billy. menacing as shit when I was a kid. I was like, oh man. But I, I like Flatliners. I think that was pretty decent. Yeah, Flatliners had that cast. It was like the the, the Brad Pack of the early 90s, with all of the exception of Oliver Platt. He just, he's like the <laughs> odd man out of that group. <laughs> I mean, I really don't know why, but I always mix that up with Shockers. I've seen one. What? Well, he just disconnected, so. Corey, Justin, you guys still there? I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah, here. You lost Andrew. All right, Andrew just fucking mid-set. <laughs> he's gone. His connection just went bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See ya. Um, I'm sure he'll be back soon, so. It's fine. We're in the physical media part. Let's be real. Andrew doesn't know. need to be here. <laughs> um, no, but this was, I was saving the best bit of news for last because this one made my jaw drop. Yesterday, Scream Factory announced that they are putting out Child's Play, Child's Play 2, and Child's Play 3, all in beautiful 4K on August 16th. That date sounds familiar. Oh, why? That is because it's my birthday. And Child's Play <laughs> 2 is one of my all-time favorites. So, yeah, dude, I can't fucking wait. Um, already got a pre-order with the alternate slipcovers for parts 2 and 3. The posters. Corey, uh, cool. you, did you see this announcement? No, I didn't. I, I've been pretty busy, so I didn't uh, see it, but I'm definitely interested because I own all the Child's Play, the you know, original trilogy on, on DVD, so oh, I'd be looking okay. to upgrade because the 
Yeah, the DVDs are like, eh, you know. They're like the bare bones, so if it's like a cool set, I would definitely be down to pick that one up. I have the uh, original Scream Factory Closed Edition of the first film, and then I had the Chucky box set on Blu-ray that Universal put out that's just bare bones. Um, And I've been pushing for Scream Factory to put this parts two and three, actually, more specifically, out for the longest time, even if it was just Blu-ray, because they've there's you know universal never gave us anything on the original releases and i know there's features out there you can watch them on youtube plus screen factories also they're always good at you know creating you know getting in touch with actors and having sometimes they'll do a making of documentary sometimes they'll do just interviews with the cast and crew but that's always nice you know catching up with people plus parts two and three have um the infamous television cuts that have been when they were on USA Network they had different scenes and new stuff and they were extended versions that was never before released anywhere else not even on DVD so Scream Factory is always notorious for putting out alternate cuts and made damn sure they'll be putting out the TV cuts of these movies so I'm excited to watch them again after all these years now apparently Road Through the Grapevine is this they're only doing the first three but there are plans for them to do Bride, Seed, Curse, and Cult. Just they're splitting it up like they did last year with Halloween. Which reminds me, um, to bring this next part up, I do believe we're going to be getting the back end of the Halloween series in uh, 4K later on this year. In the nice, cool, hard, hardback cases that the first five came in, they're supposed to be doing them again with six through Rob Zombie's films. So that's cool. And uh, yeah, I do believe that's the game plan for all the child's play films is to have, you know, through Screen Factory within the next couple years, all of them on 4K. Because I don't personally think that they're going to do Bride, Seed, Curse, and Call all next year. I think they're going to do Seed and Bride next year, and then the following year, do Cult and Curse. That's just my gut feeling, because I know 4K restorations are pretty pricey, and I know that that's pretty much all Scream Factory's been doing lately, and it's been pissing a lot of people off, because they haven't really been announcing any new horror additions. It's just been films from their previous library being re-released in 4K. So... It'd be nice, you know, Halloween's coming around the corner, and I'm still holding on to hope that they're going to announce a special edition of Dr. Giggles. Come on, Scream Factory, give me Dr. Giggles, goddammit. Fucking beg you. That's a deep cut. Uh, it's a great cut. I own it on YouTube. I, I bought it on YouTube like two years ago. It's just sitting around on my fucking library. So, I want the actual disc. So, Andrew, while you were gone... Screen Factory announced this week that they're putting out Child's Play, Child's Play 2, and Child's Play 3 in 4K on my birthday. August 16th, they come out. So, anything you want to add Sounds to like that? I did, I did hear about that. Uh, and to follow up, I mean, do they really need to release any more than those three? I mean, see, I'm not like a diehard for Child's Play, maybe, but is Bride of Chucky really that acclaimed? I haven't Does watched... it really need a 4K? I haven't watched... Dude, half these movies that are in the genre don't need 4K, okay? I'm sitting here looking at my 4K copy of Madman. 
Have you ever seen Madman? Do you know what the fuck Madman is? It's a forgotten slasher film from 40 years ago. Madman Mars. I have it on fucking 4K, okay? That- That's pretty badass. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Because yeah, okay. it's horror. That's why. There's like no other genre they would do that in other than horror releasing that shit because they know somebody like you is going to buy it. That's right. I'm probably the only motherfucker who bought that too. <laughs> I don't care, dude. I love fucking Madman Mars. Madman. We got three favorite. sales, baby. <laughs> so, um, all right. Before we uh move on to the last category, is there anything y'all want to add to uh anything that has anything to do with physical media or the uh latest scream announcements? Oh, I got one more announcement. But did anyone want to add anything first? No. All right. I forgot to mention, speaking of Shout or Scream Factory, their main label, Shout Factory, is putting out Red Dawn in 4K on my birthday, August 16th. So, going to be a good day because I'll be buying that one. See, I like Red Dawn. Uh, Wolverines! <laughs> yeah, I just rewatched that about uh, a month ago and fucking loved it. It's Love so good. Red Dawn is just yeah. so fucking good. Hold that. What's he say? Like, Johnny, hold them tears. Turn them into something else. Avenge me! Yeah. So goddamn good. So, all right. So that's going to put a pin on physical media for the week. Let's move on to the final category. Weekly recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? Andrew. we going to recommend this week. Oh, geez. Uh, well, I had to think about it deeply because, again, I got to recommend a film that I've never seen, right? You don't have I was to. Thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, I like Gone in 60 Seconds, right? <laughs> I don't like Nicolas Cage, but I like Gone in 60 Seconds. It's a bang-up film. I like it. It's a remake, right, of a 1974 film. It's, it's an it's, hour and 45 minutes long, and I've literally never heard of I, it. But. I think Corman, is that a Corman movie? No, it's Fast and Furious. Never mind. That was Fast and Furious. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a core. Sorry. Go on, Andrew. Definitely not. This is 1974. It's made by a guy named H.B. Halakak. Something. And <laughs> it's about an insurance investigator by day and a professional car thief by night. He steals something like 48 cars in five days and something about $400,000. Dude, the budget is made on $150,000. That's the price of an exotic car nowadays. What it do? Um, what it do? And that's literally it. I've literally I've not seen this film before in my life. Go on. <laughs> do you have an actual recommendation then? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's not, it's 1999's comedy classic, uh, music, or comedy classic, yes, based around music, Detroit Rock City. Uh, Detroit Rock City, I don't know why, but I've had Kiss on the mind lately, like a lot, and I always think about this. It's like one of Edward Furlong's like last films, is it not? One of his last like theatrical release films. Didn't he do like that Crow movie afterwards? That didn't come out in the theaters, I was directing the video. I like to think this is his last film. All right, so um, it's basically about a gang of kids that want to go see a Kiss concert, but obviously, like, their parents don't want them to see it because Kiss is the music of the devil. And I'll let you see it, but if you like Dazed and Confused, I don't know why, but I always mix these two up. Not, Not really, but I always put these two together. They coincide, if you will. Like, they're very similar. So... Yeah, it definitely definitely give made, that a spin. It was definitely made to catch 
the dazed and confused popularity. Yeah, yeah. No, right. Justin, what are you gonna recommend for us? Um, I, I'm on a roll. I've seen a lot of good stuff lately. Um, but I watched one last night that really fucking blew my mind. It's it's a movie from 1978. It's called Remember My Name. Mm. Uh, the director is Alan Rudolph. Um, he's a guy who started out, well, he was making his own sort of low budget. I think they were low budget horror movies in the early seventies, but he really cut his teeth as, um, Robert Altman's like, I think he was like a, a second unit director or, or maybe even an assistant director on like the long goodbye in Nashville. So he worked on some really major movies. Um, and I guess through, uh, you know, Altman, he started to in in the mid to late seventies, um, put out higher budget, a little more um, dramatic rather than horror tinged movies. And um, Altman's a director, I mean a, a producer on this one, and it came out through Lionsgate, so it's it's got that Altman um, imprint on it. But it, and it stars. There, there's a lot of Altman overlap. It stars Geraldine Chapman. Um, who was in a few Altman movies, most notably Nashville. And she plays this character. It, it's sort of the best way I can describe it is it's sort of like, um, so, you know, Halloween always kind of up until about 10 or 15 years ago, got the credit as being the first slasher. And then people were like, no, wait a minute. Black Christmas is actually sort of the yeah. first one of that genre yeah. was sort was sort of forgotten. This is sort of like the first, forgotten movie in that like late 80s early 90s crazy lady genre that started with fatal attraction um so it, it's about geraldine chaplin is this woman who just recently released from prison and she's stalking her husband and his new wife she, she's been away for like 12 years so in that time the husband played by anthony perkins divorced her remarried and she comes out of prison and is just stalking them and it it just it doesn't go where you think it's going to go where those fatal attraction or the hand that rocks the cradle or single single white female are more sort of popcorn melodramas um this one is a very naturalistic uh it doesn't take those those like third act turns like those movies do it, it actually goes it veers in a sort of a weird direction in the third act that you probably wouldn't see coming um and it's more about not not crazy the way like fatal attraction is, but it is about mental illness, more like a borderline personality disorder, um, just failed relationships. Um, it's a really, really interesting way to sort of get in and look at these characters. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of those of those type of movies, like I said, don't expect the same like third act fights and you know somebody coming at somebody else with a knife it's it's not that um but it definitely in my mind laid the groundwork for those kind of movies and it is far more interesting in those movies for the approach it takes that was a mouthful but it sounds like something i'm gonna have to check out myself so make damn sure i'm gonna be doing that yeah i don't know where you find it i um i stumbled across it on turner classic movies oh, so i don't know i I'll have to check out and see if it's got a DVD release because I, I'd actually like to own it. It's it's a movie that I would go back and and revisit um, over and over. I, I was so impressed with it. 
Uh, actually, Corey, we're going to save the best for last, buddy. You're going to go last. I'm going to go next. Because my recommend is going to be something... It's like a little two-part recommendation. So, I'm recommending this week the theatrical version, theatrical cut of 1998's Dark City from Alex Poyas. Um, just rewatched it. Fucking movie holds up better than you can ever imagine. Um, love that movie. Fucking so love that's good. All pink elephant, right? Can't so wait good. to cover it. Same. Give me the pink elephant. Uh, no, that's Dark Man. Um, oh, fuck, man. Whatever. Dark City. Different dark. And so, yeah, it, I watched the theatrical, like I said. It, it's it, it's so good. It, that's my recommendation. This week, I plan on watching the director's cut for my first time. So, maybe it'll be a two-part recommendation. Maybe not. We'll see how the uh, director, director's cut holds up. That's like the one everyone swears by, Sean included. So, um, we'll see what I think of it once I watch it. So, Corey, why don't you go down, buddy? So the first one is one that fully delivered exactly what I expected, but I had a good time watching it, and that's uh, PTA's Licorice la, Licorice Pizza. It just hit uh, physical Ooh. media. So <laughs> you're gonna get some pushback on this. So I know uh, Ed doesn't. Ed doesn't like it for some reason. I personally oh, don't I understand. A, I, I got a tag team partner on this one. So if <laughs> I knew the plot of the movie, I knew who it was done by. It pretty much delivered exactly what I thought it was going to be. So, I don't know. Like, would I put it in, like, my top five PTA films? Paul Thomas Anderson, for anybody that's not following? No. Like, I, I don't think it's near anywhere near, like, his best work. But, I mean, as far as, like, a decent, you know, movie, I I don't know. It delivered on its premise. I mean, I don't think, like, the two lead actors, um, Cooper Hoffman and... What was her name? Allison Haim, I think, or something like that. Like, they were both fine. Like, I don't... I know a lot... They were getting, like, a lot of buzz. Maybe that's why some people gave pushback on it. I think they were just okay. Like, I don't think their performances were, like... I, I heard talk, like, there might be, like, Oscar. Or, like, it was that great. It wasn't, like, that great. I wish it had a little bit more, um... Of, um... God. Now I'm... Bradley Cooper's character in it. I thought he was going to be in a little bit more... You know, other than like uh, basically a scene, but I don't know. It delivered. I it was an enjoyable like coming of age movie. It's a little bit creepy that the girl's ten years older in the movie. Yeah, but I think the movie like as you watch it, it kind of sets it up in a way that you know kind of makes it a little better, a little less child molestery. But you know, oh, you can't make that shit better. You can't fucking twist it to make it look you know tidy up and shit. No, no, no. Fuck that. That movie just left. Just shut up, Ed. Did you anyway, see the whole movie? I re- no. <laughs> so I don't know how you can exactly talk shit about anything else that you didn't oh, see. Oh, I can. I fucking can, and I fucking will. Um, can I throw out something real quick that doesn't have anything to do with recommendations? What? You sure. All right, so have you seen this fucking Bradley Cooper and uh, yeah. Mas- Maestro? Yeah. Dude, that's fucking amazing. He's rutting it, too. Dizzy. Okay. Uh, yeah. He looks really fucking good for an old man smoking <laughs> a cigarette. He looks good at the young, the uh, black and white or uh, younger um, sh- scenes too. He's playing. He's doing the whole <laughs> thing, man. He's doing the whole shebang. So, I was debating it's whether awesome. or not to bring it up today, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll we'll find out more once uh 
it gets closer to award season. Anyway, but, I'm curious what Justin has to say. Have you seen the whole movie, Justin? Yeah, no, I, I it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. As right. much as I hate it, I couldn't walk out of it. Um, and the ending seals the creepiness. Like that, that's where there the, any ambiguity in their relationship goes. You know, it, it's I can't. It's clarified. It. I can't defend the, that age um, difference. I don't even care about that. That's not. That's not no, at all. It, 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 no, there's movie. a lot more think, to it that pissed me off too. Yeah, I think you can make an interesting movie based on that that sort of dynamic. Um, I just, I don't know. I just didn't fucking get it. I thought the humor was cringy. I thought his um, arrogance I thought it was, was cringe. Yeah, it was, it was sort of an arrogant movie. Um, it was beautifully made. Like the, the production design and the cinematography are, are top notch. Like as, as a technical achievement, it was great. Um, but I just thought it was maybe his worst script. I just, I did not like it. And that, the, um, that shit, I forget the guy's name. I can see his face. John, John Higgins, Mitchell, whatever his name is. <laughs> Michael John Higgins. Michael Higgins. Yeah. John Michael Higgins. That fucking character, yeah. man. Like, and I know it's gotten a lot of the discussion already. So I don't want to and the shit he says. Horse, but I mean, what was, like, what was the point of that? So I, I just, place. I didn't. I, I took it as like basically he's the joke like he thinks he's like into this Asian culture but basically these chicks are just with him because he owns a restaurant and he's a fucking buffoon but that's the way I took it I mean obviously you can take it other ways and obviously it's horribly racist but <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I just I, I, I can't even remember now because I, I saw it in the theaters and I don't even remember all the things I didn't like about it. it's one of those things like I, this is an unpopular opinion, especially with Ed, but I hate Punch Drunk Love. But it's a movie I've seen like six times because I keep trying to like it, and I just can't get there with it. And I got a feeling that Licorice Pizza is going to be that like that. Me I'm going to end up my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end up watching this thing at least another four or five times, trying to wrap my head around it. I, I just I don't think I'm going to get there. I think it's going to be in that that Punch Drunk Love. And I, I say this as somebody who reveres paul thomas anderson i i just think he's a genius but those two movies um that just do not work for me at all yeah i i plan on in, in my defense i do plan on or in the movie's defense i plan on once i find a reasonably plot uh reasonably priced edition I'll, I'll buying it so so i'll watch it again obviously yeah i i don't know i like I said, it's not amazing, but I had a good time watching it. I'm a big fan of PTA. And the other movie uh, I wanted to mention real quick that I watched and surprised the shit out of me was Sonic 2. <laughs> I was so <laughs> surprised. I had so much fun. You so know, you're not I'm, the only person who said that. I'm a huge... Did you not like the first Sonic? No, I like the first one, but I like the second one a lot better. I'm a huge Sonic fan. I got a Genesis back in the day just to play Sonic and Sonic 2. Uh, you know, I didn't care about the Genesis before that. I was always a Nintendo fanboy, but uh, Sonic made me stand up and take notice of Sega pretty much. So I, I've been a Sonic fanboy ever since. And these films, like, they're kids' movies. They're, you know, it's not it's not high art, but they're done so well for the characters. Like, each character in this movie, you know, Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, all done extremely well. It actually had legitimate laugh-out-loud moments, like when Sonic has his Ferris Bueller fake dummy in the room. <laughs> like, it, it's, it, like, it actually made me laugh out loud just because it's so silly and stupid. You know, does it have cringy jokes that are there for the kids? Yeah. But if you're a Sonic fan, you can watch it. I, I appreciate the film because they don't just take shit from the games. 
and put it in the movie and say, look there, you remember that from the game? It's in there. They don't pull like an Uncharted. They actually do like they have the characters and flesh it out, but they actually do original shit in the movie. Like there's no scene in the movie that's exactly the scene from the video game. They just take the characters get the essence of it and put them in new situations. And I appreciate the shit out of that. And Jim Carrey's given it his all. So, I, you know, I fucking had a great time with Sonic 2. I think anybody who's a Sonic fan needs to watch those two films because they're done, I think, pitch perfect for what a Sonic movie could and should be. Yeah, I was actually blown away about how much I fucking loved the first Sonic film. So, yeah, I'm, I, I haven't seen the second one yet, but there's no it's doubt on, I'll um, see it in the near future. It's on Paramount Plus, and fucking Idris Elba is hilarious as Knuckles. <laughs> like, he was perfect casting <laughs> okay. as Knuckles. But yeah, it's on Paramount Plus now. That's the only reason I watched it. Like, I wouldn't go to the theater or anything like that, but it's streaming right now, so it's definitely worth watching. And before we jump off of this segment, I... I and I, I want to ask Corey because I know he's seen it. I don't. We talked Saturday. I don't know if you watch it yet, but Corey, what did you think of Ambulance? Hmm. I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to bring that up also. So I, um, <laughs> I'll say this: I haven't seen the last half an hour of it, and that's just because I tried to watch it, but my for some reason Peacock on my PlayStation keeps crashing every time I try to watch it. I don't know why, so I fell asleep. But um, for most of the movie. I liked it as far as a Bay film, you know, is it like a great Bay film? No, but I had a good time. I mean, the two lead actors are good and it. It's like weirdly needlessly violent <laughs> in spots, <laughs> which I don't like. I appreciate because you don't see move like big movies like that anymore that are like just violent. Like what the guy gets run over and his fucking crazy legs are just popping up. Yeah, there's a or, like, random death scene that happens in the movie that just comes out of fucking left field. I was like, wait, what? They're dead? Okay. Um, but no, uh, so the movie, I actually watched it myself. I, I, I can now say I've seen that movie. Uh, I'm, on the long, I'm on the lines of Justin. Um, I gave it three out of five stars. Uh, the, the movie for me was just typical Michael Bay. I wish, I, I would have liked it more if maybe like um, the drones was used in a better manner. I was yeah, all the, about them fucking yeah. drones, but that was I really felt like lackluster. They were just, oh, so it, lackluster! Like it was literally he just cut him away flying. so quickly. It was like flying up and down on the building and then flying down the building, <laughs> like the same yeah. fucking shot over and over. And that was the extent and of I, the drones. And and I thought it was going to be like it was it was scaling down the side of the building to take you down to the street where the right. action was, and it would the cut. Shot would just it cut would fucking cut. Just be no so, and whoever the hell was driving the drones? Fucking horrible, horrible as shit. Um, I just imagine it was Bay. He's like, "Give me that fucking controller. You gotta it zoom up and then zoom Bay. down." It probably was. Down this, baby. Probably was Bay. To be honest with you, but no, I, I just was underwhelmed by all that shit. Um, I didn't really. I don't know. I was surprised at how quickly the film like got going. Uh, I was also. Uh, I'm on the same page as Corey, to an extent. Like I, there was definitely bay humor in it, but I thought it was like a lot, a lot less than normally. Sorry, Justin, I and haven't seen the film now. I just I Oof, felt like there I was know. less bay humor than typical. I cringed a lot with the humor. I I mean, what was there really to, to cringe? The dog popping not, up not, in the back seat, cringe, shit like that. Not yeah, not not cringe in that it was the offensive bay humor, like the gay baiting or the the racial stuff. It was just not funny, and I can't. 
I, I, I tune that shit out the second after I hear yeah. it. So I can't sit here and go, well, this joke and this joke. Right. I just remember there was a handful of times where I was like, fucking Bay has the worst sense of humor of any major director out there yeah. right now. But well, he, he got um, the whole gay thing but, in with uh, Carol O'Donnell's character with him and his boyfriend. And the, uh, I don't know. And that seemed like Bay trying to kind of um, polish up his image a little bit. Because I think he had, he he's not he, he has a rough image when it comes to his gay characters or gay jokes in his movies. And I, I that was actually one of the things I liked. It was just sort of matter of fact that um, this character was gay. It was brought up in his introduction scene and then never mentioned again. So it really didn't even have a point, but I guess it's good just for inclusion purposes, you know, just, just to see a character where the fact that he is gay is not, it, it doesn't drive the character. Right, right. It, it just happens to be part of the deal. Um, it, it, it was just, it was a typical Bay. I, I think it was better than most. I liked it better than most Bay movies I've seen. Um, but it has all the hallmarks and all the things that infuriate me about Bay movies. He, he, comes so close to making an interesting point and then he just can't fucking follow <laughs> through on it it's infuriating uh you know it starts off with um and we talked about this i'm gonna say the guy's name wrong yeah yeah right yeah 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 um you know it, it makes a point at the beginning of his character being a vet who can't get health care for his wife right. and you know the frustrations that that's an interesting jumping off point for a character in an action movie. And, and we've seen it before you brought up John Q. So it's not groundbreaking in any way, right. but it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting angle and Bay just doesn't do anything with it. No, he doesn't. Um, in fact, the film just yeah. abruptly ends. It just, it has a very <laughs> well, abrupt ending. I thought, and I thought the final shot was so funny. And I don't remember if it was the exact final shot, but of, um, Eliza Gonzalez's character, like oh, with her, her her EMT jacket, like slow motion yeah. walking into a purple sunset. It was just so her fucking walking like, out of the film, like I saved the day. Right. It, it, and like I told you, like there, it was. It's weird because it was like a, a post pandemic action movie. Like there were so many references to the pandemic and just little visual signifiers. And it was like Bay, like Bay, always in his movies. It's either like like a salute to the cops, a salute to the military. This time it's a salute to like first responders. Um, like the, the one, the one pandemic thing that, that did make me laugh is the scene. It was like the typical Bay scene where all the, like the, the elevator together. And, yeah. And then slow uh, motion, they're walking into the elevator and then the old lady like sticks her, her crutch in yeah. there. So, so that was, that was like a funny, like breaking, breaking the moment joke. But then they turned it into a mask joke where like, er, like all the robbers had their masks pulled up, not for COVID reasons, but because they're about to go rob. Yeah. Bank. yeah I got that. And, um, and Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't have a mask on and the woman's kind of like cursing, like under her breath, yeah. muttering, which in a different like, I, in, I, in I, her native tongue. Right. She's Asian, but I, I assume she's like muttering, you know, I could be completely wrong, but I took it that she's muttering about the fact Everybody else in the elevator, including her, has a mask, and Jake Gyllenhaal right. doesn't. And she's just sort of pissed, and he doesn't. So it like it, you know, it got some like like pandemic type humor or, or references in it, which I thought was interesting. But again, 
Bay doesn't really do anything with that. He, he you know, he, he tiptoes on the on the line of making an interesting point, and then the Bayhem takes over, and he forgets about any kind of plot or um, you know subtext or, or human interaction. So, if you're a Bay fan, you'll probably like it. Oh yeah, and the uh, the reason for the cop who got shot to be in this film in this plot to be involved in this story, the whole reasoning behind it was just super weird awkward like his fucking partner's pushing him to basically be a stalker for this bank teller <laughs> to the point where like he insists on going inside when jake gyllenhaal is like oh no we're closed Chip- typical 15 minute transport blah 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 and he's like but i just gotta go in start a deposit and it's just weird he's walking and nothing's awkward to him nothing's strange and even he talks to the teller and that that whole moment and she's just like all teary eyed and asked her out and just like what the fuck is going on really <laughs> now i i did notice i looked, i had to look him up of course but the the guy who plays um that cop that's uh katie seagull's son oh yeah. is it huh uh so. Before we move on, I just wanted to say, I agree with you, Justin. I think Bay's humor is like a fucking black hole of laughter. Like, <laughs> I don't think any of his films are funny. Like, I don't go to a Bay movie, other than maybe Pain and Gain, but I don't go to any of his movies for funny. Like, it made me cringe, like, with the fucking uh, self-referential shit. Like, when all the fucking oh, characters yeah. keep quoting Bay movies. <laughs> And then, oh god, that's fucking right! Oh my god! And then the other one that made me really cringe was in the beginning when the crew's getting together, and then Jake Gyllenhaal's like, "What do you want, Mel Gibson?" Or fucking, I think that's what he said. Yeah, Mel right. Gibson, Braveheart. I, called, him, called him. And Braveheart. I'm like, the fucking guy doesn't look anything like Mel Gibson. Yeah, look nothing. Like, like I'm like, yeah, it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like you could tell it was in the script. They yeah. just did it. And I'm like, even if it did make sense, would it really be that funny unless the guy looked exactly like Mel Gibson? Or I, like, oh man, I agree with you. The fucking humor, it is like, the man does not have a funny bone in his body at all. And you mentioned it, the, the self-referential thing could have actually been funny if he either did it once or if he maintained it throughout the entire movie and like different characters are making like little little drops to like referencing Bay movies but the same character did it twice in like the first 15 minutes of the movie and then it just never happened again it was like well, what the fuck was that all about I got me um all right. anything else gentlemen that's all I got. No, I just wanted to say I did enjoy Ambulance. Like I had a good time. I know I shit on it a lot, but it was enjoyable. I respect it for being an R in an age where big movies aren't really anymore. So I respect yeah. it for that. And it needs to be it needs to be twenty to thirty minutes shorter. It does not need to be two hours and sixteen minutes. <laughs> That's how long it was, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I ended up giving it the same grade as Justin, three stars. So all right, well, I think uh it's gonna do it for this week. If you guys want to hear more from us, then uh, if you guys want to hear more from us, then check out our previous episodes. Then you can also check out Michael Bay's The Rock from this week if you haven't already. And for even more film effect goodness, check out the ever growing collection of previous episodes as we reach episode 100 next week. Of course, we'll be celebrating that milestone by talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I'm looking forward to Andrew, Justin, are you guys going to be joining us for that episode? Episode 100, The Shining? 
Um, I feel like we should. I feel like, like, it, I feel like it, yeah, it's got to happen. Yeah, details when you're recording and see if, if it fits the schedule. Then I'll definitely say, you know, The Shining is one of my all-time favorite movies. I got nothing but good things to say, so I'll, I'll sit in on it. Yeah, I agree with Justin. The Shining is fucking magnificent, so... Yeah, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, emails, all that good stuff. Links are in the episode notes, as always. And don't forget to help us gain more listeners by leaving a quick rating and or review. If you're either on Apple, Spotify, or directly from the website, either way helps, and it helps us kick down the door and helps us beat on the... I, I don't know. It's the algorithm, guys. I'm trying to sound tough and it backfired. Um, hey, yeah, Corey, Andrew, don't you fucking hate when that happens? <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. That's right, foot, beat mouth. Anything else before we uh, depart, guys? Anything you want to add, bring to the table, take off the table? No, have a good week, everybody. Yeah. Right. Yes, watch it the same. Have a good one. Yeah, bye, everybody. All right, well, until next week, go fuck yourself, San Diego. Take care now. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. Bye. This concludes our broadcast day.